Well, welcome everyone to this episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Megan, and I'm so excited for this unique series that we are going to be doing for the next couple weeks. So I really wanted to break down the art of connecting. I get so many questions all the time from both my pageant clients and also just individuals who are looking to grow in general in life. And they want to know how they can better connect with individuals, whether they are going back into the dating scene or whether they're trying to win their pageant. So I'm super excited to break down the art of connecting in a few parts of this series. And I think you guys are really going to like it. So stay tuned for this episode. And here we go. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Powerhouse Podcast. As you guys heard in the intro, today we are starting our series on the art of connecting. This is one of my most favorite topics in the world because I am a human development junkie. I'm absolutely obsessed with sociology, physiology, and psychology. And so today I'm going to be walking you guys through um, some tips on what we not to do and what we ought to do. So as I was doing my research for this, um, it was really funny. Actually, a a lot of this inspiration came from yesterday. Um, I've been listening to this new show, watching this new show on Netflix, and it's called Single Wives. Go watch it. uh, Shameless plug if you haven't seen it yet. And it has dating expert Matthew Hussey on the show. Now, let me tell you about my thoughts about this. Uh, For a while, I actually used to have some pretty negative thoughts about Matthew Hussey. I don't know if I was just super legalistic back then. Um, He first came on the scene, I want to say, gosh, it's been at least five years ago since I've known about him. And um, when I first found out about him, I don't know if I was dating or single or whatever, but I probably knowing my Enneagram 8 brain just disagreed with like one tiny thing that he said. And so I just kind of shut him out entirely. But um, as I've become a little bit more compassionate and open minded the past couple years, um, it was funny. I, I saw his face and, and they said his name and I was like, oh, I know exactly who that is. But I think when watching his videos on YouTube, I kind of had this preconceived notion that he was just this playboy um, because he's still single actually to this day, but he's a dating expert. And I was like, oh, he probably just memorized a couple things. He's not actually helping people, you know, whatever. Definitely didn't do my research enough on him, like 100% and the first one to admit that. So I was intrigued on the show. I love watching human development shows. That's why I love watching The Bachelor, although I haven't watched it actually for two or three seasons since before Colton actually. Um, The Bachelor, I love um, watching, even like I used to love watching reality shows on MTV when I wasn't allowed to watch it in high school. I'd sneak around and watch Next and all those old OG shows. Um, But the reason why I realized that I love them so much, this is before I really even knew this about myself, is because truly, um, really and truly, I love studying the human interaction of these shows. I love studying, you know, why people have certain triggers and why they get triggered by certain things. And so I love now that I know so much about the Enneagram and about personality types and also, you know, temperament and um, even action styles, as we talked about in our inner, inner circle this month and will continue to next month. It is so interesting to be able to analyze things with like, four different lenses rather than just watching a show for entertainment. And so anyways, I was watching this show yesterday and I will admit I binge watched it and then worked till like midnight. Um, It was so much fun. I was in my happy place just getting to work and, and, you know, dual kind of screens going. And um, there are these four wives who um, are either widowed or divorced or, you know, something happened with their previous husband. Excuse me, I haven't had my coffee yet today. And 
it's very interesting. Um, and so what they do is Matthew Hussey teaches them real dating tips for an entire month. It's in Australia, which is super cool. Their accents are so beautiful. And they learn all these different things about dating. And it is so intriguing to me because they're forced to watch back these dates that they go on. And you see how, and I'm, of course, Enneagram typing all these people in my mind. I'm like, oh, she's an eight, she's a seven, she's a two, she's a three, which is what I think the four of them are. And uh, the eight is refuses to be vulnerable. She's 41, divorced, you know, closes up and absolutely tries to control every situation and protect everything so that she's not out of control. Um, the seven uses humor and as you'll see in the show, um, laughs at everything, even if it's not funny and, and refuses to be vulnerable and actually give any, um, vulnerability or, or story back to her dates and then thinks that she isn't connecting with people. So if you're interested in human development, it's a very interesting show to honestly study people. If you're in the dating world right now, or if you are, um, you know, working on your interview, working on your connection skills for a pageant, it's an incredible opportunity to study why people do what they do. And it's an incredible uh, opportunity to observe maybe even yourself and some of these people. You know, as I was watching the woman who's an eight, it's really easy to cringe and be like, oh my gosh, you know, she's this, she's this, she's this. But I really had to take a look at myself too and say, okay, but are there times in my life when I've done that? And you know what? The answer is yes. There's absolutely been times when I try and control situations because I feel so out of control. And so it, it was, it's really great. Um, it's a very humbling opportunity sometimes when you can watch things and uh, are willing to see yourself in other people as well. So today I'm really excited to dive in. Um, before we get to these things, I have three nots and five oughts today. So five things you should do and three things you shouldn't do. Um, but I just want to remind you guys, so we've got some new websites up I'm super excited about. We have a brand new freebie for you guys. I interviewed um, five of of either previous clients of mine or women who have done extremely well at state and national competitions. Each of them has won at least a state competition and, um, you know, blew open their, their, um, prelims, one interview talent, all that kind of stuff. Um, some of which even placed top five at Miss America. And I asked them all the same three questions. Um, like I said, some of them are clients of mine. Some of them were my Miss America sisters. And I put together a freebie for you that is called how, uh, how exactly I prepped for my national interview. So if you want to get your hands on that, you can read their, um, each of their responses. It's really, really powerful. And uh, you can go to our website to find that, or you can just go to uh, the link that is posted in our show notes, and we'll be able to get your hands on that. It's a really, really great freebie, and um, I'm always trying to give you guys the best strategies to help you in communication and your interview. So go take a look at that, and I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys think of that. They did a great job, fantastic responses, so really, really happy about that. Okay. So diving in today, um, my notes are over here for those of you guys who are watching this, not just listening to this. Um, the first thing, and again, this is uh, based off some ob observation on the show as well, but also what I've been able to coach some of my life coaching students um, who are clients of mine. Uh, the first not, okay, if you're taking notes. So the first thing not to do when you're trying to connect um, is ask but not give. Okay. So one of the things that I see a lot when people feel like they're not connecting with people is they're one of two things. They will either be the, uh, talkative person who never stops talking, never stops sharing. Um, but usually it's, it can still be a lot of either surface level stuff, you know, favorite color. This is what I do for work, blah, 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 or way too deep too quickly. 
and they don't have the social awareness to realize that, hey, you are boring this person to tears or you're running them over with a truck because you are simply talking at a rate of speed that no one can actually even comprehend. Or what I see is number two, they will be the person who relentlessly asks questions but doesn't offer anything else in return in terms of feedback. So it's really hard for someone to feel like they've connected with you or you that you've connected with them if you're not willing to actually be vulnerable and share anything back, okay? So I've seen a lot, and there, there was a woman on the show who did this. She was an Enneagram 7, and she makes everything a joke, and she rapid-fire asks all these questions. And in the end, it was very interesting because she was talking about how even when her marriage broke up, she felt like they weren't connecting. And she had this moment on the show where she uh, was realizing and actually wanted to apologize um, because she's like, wow, I realized how much this was actually me. So um, all partnerships, relationships, businesses, and rapport are built off of the give and take. Okay. So the first thing to make sure that you don't do is be somebody who's only giving or only taking. There needs to be an exchange or else that person's either going to feel like they don't know you or they're going to feel like you just ran over them with a truck and they couldn't get a word in, okay? So um, number two is stay surface level. So the number two thing to not do is stay surface level like we talked about. Um, I get this in interview all the time with my clients, okay? And I was working with a client yesterday. It was so funny. And I always ask them, okay, if I wouldn't have told you this today, how would you, how would you have answered this question? And it's so funny because they're like, oh my gosh, I would have answered it like everybody else in the entire world. I can't believe that I used to answer questions this way. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. So um, one of the reasons why this is so important is, is actually when we stay surface level, I've actually seen it um, affect self-worth quite a bit. Here's why. Let's give a pageant as an example. When a woman walks out of interview, and um, I see this with threes a lot because threes kind of fear some vulnerability as well in a totally different way than a seven does. A seven hates the negative emotion that could be attached to the vulnerability, and a three hates the fact that it could make them be perceived as average or not excellent or not the best, and uh, that's why they aren't vulnerable sometimes. But um, the reason why it can affect our self-worth so much is because we walk out of an interview, we just talked about all the stuff. Let's say we walk out of a date. We talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked, but you walk out of there and still kind of feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't talk about anything that I actually wanted to talk about. And the reason being is because we didn't actually tap into our depth. We just tapped into our breadth. So we tapped into a large variety of things. Maybe you've gained the communication skill of rapport. Maybe you're really great and quick off the draw. You could talk to somebody on the street and say hi to them or ask them to take your picture, you know, or do whatever, and that'd be fine for you. But you find that your communication slips off when you have to actually get into the deep things. And so I want to encourage you with that um, to be willing to take a step of vulnerability. You'll never actually know if you're connecting with somebody unless you are willing to share. And I'm not saying dive deep into your deepest, deepest, darkest secrets by any means, but taking a small step to really share um, the things that you are emotionally invested in, the things that make you who you are, is going to give you a much greater rate of success. And here's the thing. Women walk out of interviews all the time comparing themselves or saying, well, I just feel like I'm boring or I wasn't memorable or why didn't I make top 10 and I'll go and watch their interviews in the same way that I wish I could go watch somebody's first date. Oh my gosh, it'd be my secret like guilty pleasure if I could like 
be that person who's sitting in the corner of a restaurant watching a client of mine like on a first date. I would have so much fun. Oh my gosh, that would be literally so much fun. And being, okay, here are my notes for you. That would be so fun. I don't know if anybody else would enjoy that, but that would just be a heyday for me. But I want to ask you this question. Um, how, if you were a judge, right? If you were sitting on the other side of a date, how do you know that you even like someone or, you know, how, how do you know if you even trust someone? How do you know if you want to trust them as a leader? Talk about a job interview. How do you know if you want to put them in a position if they didn't share with you something that, you know, differentiates them from what anybody else could say? Everyone can say I'm a good leader. Everyone can say I'm a hard worker. Everyone can say all that kind of stuff, but it's the very stories of our life that are unique to us that really, make a lasting impact and make you memorable because you're the only person who can say those things. No one else has your life experience. No one else has your story. No one else has walked through what you've walked through. So why do you walk out of these great scenarios where you're trying to connect and you're literally depleting yourself from every capability of actually connecting by sharing the right types of things? Okay. So that's number two. Um, Number three of the thing not to do is do not go in without preparation and a gauge of where you're at. Okay. So here's what I mean. If you know that you're a little socially awkward, if you know that you are introverted, if you know that you're shy, if you know that you have certain trigger points, which we'll talk about, um, and what you should do, then don't walk in completely underprepared without any feedback, without, you know, asking some opinions around you without, you know, maybe you're really bad at small talk and legitimately need to you know, ask for help, legitimately need to write down a couple things ahead of time and study some small talk topics, right? Maybe you freeze up when you're in a large scenario because you just are in your head about things, right? So making sure that you are taking care of yourself on maybe the day of your date, the day of your interview, all that good stuff and pouring into your your spirit and your soul and your mind and your emotions on the the same day or you know that week or go to the gym and burn off some steam if you're nervous those types of things but going in unprepared uh when you don't change something you're going to get the exact same result we all know that and so I encourage you to be a little prepared you know do a little mock chit chat with a friend of yours or go to a date with a buddy if you can you know don't just go to uh, a restaurant or a bar alone or whatever but have a, a wingman or a wingwoman with you that can help, um, you know, hype you up a little bit, but also bolster up the courage to possibly make some connection and some conversation. Um, and obviously in in the sake of a, a job interview specifically, um, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this a million times, but so many people go in and are shocked when companies at the end of this ask them about the company and they're like, Hey, so do you know the VP of our company? Do you know the mission statement of our company? And they go and interview for these high level positions and they haven't even looked up the company online. So in, in the same way that you wouldn't go on a date with somebody that you hopefully haven't investigated thoroughly, you know, check their social media, check their references. You know, if you have mutual friends, ask around those types of things. Um, then hopefully you you wouldn't expect somebody to give you a job when you don't know what you're talking about, right? Okay, so those are the three oughts. Those are the things we should not do. Now, here are the five things that we totally should do to connect with others. Cool. These are the fun stuff. So actually, I guess I have six. Um, Number one is a given, but you can't connect if you're not listening, okay? listening, listening, listening. I deal with this with my clients and on stage question all the time where you've seen 
uh, people who are not my clients bomb on social media interview questions, or you've seen individuals on Family Feud say answers that have nothing to do with anything regarding the question. Why? It's because their nerves took over, their triggers took over, and they went into a subconscious state of panic, fight, flight, fright, whatever, and they end up saying something really stupid. So we have to keenly work on our listening skills, and you can work on your listening skills in environments where you're not nervous, you know, where you are comfortable. Simple things like nodding your head and checking your body language and, you know, even repeating back to yourself what that person's saying as they're talking is a really great practice to, um, and here's something that's an unpopular opinion, but a really great way to check your pride in that scenario too, no one likes the person who's just waiting to get a word in, okay? Who, who thinks that what they have to say is so important that everyone else should be so excited to listen to them for, for moments and moments and minutes at a time. Um, if I'm not in a coaching capacity, I try really hard to have a 50-50 balance in conversation. If I'm going to coffee with somebody, um, coming up with questions and learning how to ask good questions is one of the greatest things that you could ever do for yourself. And also when you get outside of yourself and realize that connection is about more than just you, it's about connecting with the other person too. And they have a whole world of stories and life experience and values and things that they can bring to the table. Just because, you know, they may start talking about fishing and you don't really care about fishing. Let's say you're on a date. Yeah. You know, maybe if their interests don't align with you, then you're not going to ask them for a second date. But at the same time, don't let pride get in the way of just shutting down and devaluing them and disrespecting them because every opportunity of talking with another human is fantastic practice for what you're trying to get good at in the first place, right? Because just because you don't care about fishing, someone else would love to hear about fishing or baking or cooking or walking the trapeze, right? You might have different interests and that's fine, but don't be so arrogant to just shut down and dismiss somebody else or disconnect from listening. Um, Really try and be an active listener. It's a fantastic way to just grow as a person, to love people and to pursue past uncomfortability. And you know, little things like, that's why don't go on a dinner date maybe with somebody that is a first date that you're committing to an hour and a half when you have no idea whether you really like somebody, right? Go to coffee with somebody or say, hey, I can catch you at this coffee shop in between meetings and I have 20, 25 minutes. You know, sometimes those are the best ways to to test out connection and see if you want to invite something to a further conversation. Um, and in the chance of pageantry, obviously when you're in your interviews and on stage question, if you're genuinely listening, then your visualization and your imagination and your stories will start flowing in such a manner that you're going to be fine. You're not going to answer some crazy question, right? You talk to your mom, you talk to your dad, you talk to your best friend, your roommate, whoever, every day. And unless you tangibly, physically don't hear what the question was, you hear what it is every time and you answer, right? You say, and or you go, what, <laughs> right? But chances are you're going to hear what they're saying and you, you answer without even thinking about it, right? So why can't we do that in other scenarios? But it's not harm to practice, okay? So please turn your listenings on, listening ears on. Um, please don't be a jerk. Please, please don't do that, okay? It's not cute. It's not fun. Uh, pride and aloofness, it's just ugh, gross, okay? And if you're with someone like that, check yourself before you wreck yourself because people don't change once you put a ring on it. Just, I digress, okay? 
Okay, next one. Um, the next thing to do in terms of trying to connect is bring sincerity to the table. So again, this this is kind of the cousin to vulnerability. I read this quote today that said, um, beauty is always skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. Beauty is always skin deep, but ugly is to the bone. I think that that is so powerful. And again, this connects with um, number zero that we just talked about. Um, but sincerity goes such a long way. Sincerity is so beautiful. You know, when someone is honest about stuff, whether it's bad, whether it's good, again, have self-awareness, gauge in emotional intelligence. Don't just, you know, whip out your craziest, deepest, darkest story, maybe on a 20 minute coffee date, like probably not. But sincerity of being able to share what makes you happy, what makes you laugh, you know, what your passions are, what you're emotionally invested in, why you love your mom, why, you know, why you are the way that you are. Did you like growing up where you grew up? Where, you know, why did you choose the college that you did? Why did you choose the career that you did? What did you want to be when you're little? Those types of things are so interesting and they invite the other person to let their guard down and be able to share with you as well. And in the case of, so that's, that's more dating and and regular relationships. In the case of pageantry, um, this is the same. Sincerity goes a long way. And again, your stories, your sincerity, your life experience is something that nobody else can share in the same manner that, that you can share it. And I was talking with a client yesterday and I was, and they're very powerful, you know, a lot of like powerful threes and eights are drawn to me, um, as a coach. And then also a lot of twos cause twos and eights are like a perfect partnership, but I, I have girls of every kind, um, every kind of personality. And I was talking with a fellow eight yesterday and she's a super duper achiever. And also one of my, one of my twos actually, who acts a lot like a three and they're super duper achievers. You know, pageant girls are so good at, here's my resume, here's my laundry list of why I'm important. Because they think it's it's more of a, um, a lot of times in interview, it's like, please think that I stand out. Please make me stand out. And I looked at them and I said, you know what's missing? And they're like, what? And to both of them, I said, what makes you laugh? What makes you cry? Who are you when you have no makeup on and you're hanging out with your best friends on a Friday night watching a movie? If we are not in tune with that version of ourselves, then we're projecting one kind of image to judges in a pageant, to a man on a coffee date, all these different things. And then we're saying, oh, but love me for every part of I am. And I hope you think I'm funny. I hope you think I'm cute. I hope you think I'm this and this and this and this. And they're like, no, really, the only thing I think you are is a workaholic, right? Or whatever. So, but that first starts with awareness of getting in tune with even those things that we want to be sincere in. Okay, so something to think about. The next one, number two, is willingness to risk. So this is so beautiful too. I, I wrote this down. The only thing worse than than rejection is regret. The only thing worse than rejection is regret. So often we stop ourselves up from emoting in the wide, beautiful range of emotions that we were created to because we are terrified of, of rejection. And so instead we live with the regret of never trying. So many people, God has given massive dreams in their hearts and the, these ideas and these abilities to do incredible things. But because we are so afraid of failing or rejection, we don't even try. And I want you to think about that. What are the areas that God's spoken to you about in your life right now that you're being disobedient in? And I say that with no condemnation. Maybe a better way to say that is just that you have not chosen to put action and activation to yet that you know that you're supposed to do because you're afraid of 
being rejected? You know, what happens if they don't ask me for a second date? What happens if I try to make this app and no one likes it? What happens if I start this business and I have to get a job again, right? Well, yeah, of course, if we think that way, or what happens if I don't win this pageant and I get first runner up again? Okay, great. Well, we can look at the glass half empty. It's, it's absolutely possible. But when we, when we look in the face of the things of the, all the ways that we're going to grow in that experience, there's always 10 more times glass half full moments of wonderful things that come out of failure. I think if you ask any successful person, they will be able to tell you their failures 10 times more than their successes. And there's a certain mindset that comes about when you really grow in your leadership that starts to just really not attach an emotion to failure or rejection anymore. Yeah, like you can feel it in that moment. You can process it. But when you self-accept that tomorrow's a new day and we just got to keep moving on and God's still got great plans for me and he he hasn't put these dreams in my heart for no reason um, and that he's a good God who's for me, who wants to help carry these things out, it really changes your perspective um, to empower you to believe that you can keep going and that you that you can risk momentary, you know, minute by minute rejection where maybe you'll never even see that person again. So who really cares for a lifetime of fulfillment, you know, and saying, hey, at least I tried and this is what I learned from it and this is how I grew from it. And this is what I realized I needed to change about myself. And this is what I realized I didn't like in another person. And this is what I realized about the person that I want to be. And I think that that is so much more gratifying and, uh, worth it than never even trying something and staying safe you know it's like yeah staying safe great but the story of your life is going to be pretty boring if you don't get out of your comfort zone and try some things the next one um, is taking initiative so how would you want someone to approach or talk to you so again in a pageant interview dating world whatever Um, I think so often we are afraid because we allow this this negative voice in our head to convince us that we are things that we were never created to be and it stops us from feeling like we can get out of our comfort zone and be daring enough to say hi to someone right or to share that vulnerable story in interview or to talk about when you were a little bit less than perfect and how you overcame that but um again I was watching that show and it was super cool he forced Matthew has he forced these uh the four ladies to go on the street and uh, he had three different stages of, of talking to people. One was saying hi and asking a stranger to take a selfie of them, um, of the two girls saying, hey, we're not very good at this. Could you could you take a picture of us really quick? Right. For some of us, that'd be terrifying. For some of us, we're like, yeah, no problem. No big deal. Um, the second stage was asking them a little bit more about themselves and asking if, if they could give them a, an, a um, recommendation for a restaurant, pretending like they were tourists in the city. And the third thing was actually telling a guy that he was cute on the side of the street and seeing what happens. And I'm like, yo, I would never do that. (laughs) But it was funny to watch the internal transformation as Matthew was encouraging them to walk out of their comfort zones and get over these fears. And, you know, we play out these worst possible scenarios in our head. Oh my gosh, they're going to yell at me. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm ugly. They're going to call me ugly. You know, they're going to do whatever. We do that with judges too. Well, what if they hate my story? What if what if they're a liberal? What if they're a conservative? What if they don't like brunettes? What if they do, you know, all these silly little things. And what was so cool to watch was that as each of these girls took his challenge um, to the best of their ability and got out of their comfort zone, every single one of them was fine. They were totally fine. And one of them actually got a great date out of it and got some guy's number and ended up really liking him. And so it was wild. And they're, and all the other girls were marveling at just like, oh my gosh, we met this guy in the street 
And Matthew's point was, um, so many girls say, well, where are all the good guys? Where are all the good guys? Where are all the good guys? And he's like, they're all around you, but people are just so bad at initiating and connecting that, you know, you could meet that guy at the supermarket where you both go for the apple and you touch hands and it's a Cinderella moment, you know, whatever. But so many people just shy away from those, those interactions, those chance happenings, even happening because they don't have the courage to be themselves and the confidence. And so I really want to instill in you guys that confidence to figure out what kind of person that you want to be. And if you want to initiate, initiate. If you want to say hi to somebody with no other agenda, say hi to them, right? And obviously be safe and protect yourselves at all times. Duh, obviously. But I think so often we shy away from opportunities that are right in front of us. And then sometimes we're super Christian and we blame God for it or we blame fate for it or we say, oh, well, I guess I'm just not supposed to get married. Oh, well, I guess I'm just not supposed to win. I'm like, no, there's 80% more that was in your control that you just didn't do. Love you, you know, honestly. And sometimes I have to have that hard conversation with people. But the beauty of that is when you realize that actually 80% of that is in your control and that's an arbitrary number, you know, whatever then there's 80% more improvement that's on the other side of you just trying stuff and getting out of your comfort zone and stretching yourself a little bit, right? Which is awesome because that means that 80% of the world's not against you. You just need to try. You just need to get out of your comfort zone, get a little more wiggle room, you know, find find your dance again and find your confidence again. Put your makeup on when you go to the supermarket, you know, brush your hair, like that kind of a thing. And, or just go say hi to somebody um, that you see at the gym every single day that you're making awkward eye contact with, but you never actually say hi to, you know, whatever. Like you never know how that could happen and it could be a beautiful story. So anyways, I digress. The next one, two more. Number four is receive feedback. So um, also on this show, like I said, he had all the girls go back and watch their dates. And one of them said, okay, 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 okay. And nodded her head like this every single time the guy was talking. It was like so choppy and didn't actually appear like she was listening, but she thought that that was her listening and giving feedback. Like I said, one of the other ones um, just laughed at everything. She was even laughing at this guy who like barely talked and everybody else watching was like, girl, he's not funny. He didn't say anything funny. Why are you laughing? But it was a coping mechanism for her to feel safe because that was her go-to when she felt uncomfortable or that there was awkward silence. So um, I'm not saying videotape your dates, obviously, um, but your friends and family who spend the most time with you will know your tics. They'll know your triggers. They'll know um, the things that make you a wonderful, imperfect you, right? So being able to have some feedback about potentially the areas of growth in your life can be really, really important. You know, those people who can catch those things for you so that you're not going out on 20 dates or doing 20 pageant interviews and thinking, oh, well, the judges just didn't like me. Oh, well, guys just don't like me, you know, whatever. When really, again, we need to invite some humility on the scene and say, okay, I'm the common denominator here. What might little thing my, I need to work on and what is this attached to? It, am I acting this way because it's something I've been through in the past? Is this how I was raised? You know, those different things. And what's important is to find a trustworthy person that you also can have that level of respect with that you can give them feedback as well, right? Nobody likes the friend that loves to give feedback but can't receive any dish it but can't take it that's not cute um it might be a little different if you have like a an elder you know in your life like a a specific mentor that that's just not you know you're not peers you're not friends um but they really are like a hired mentor in your life or just somebody who's you know 30 plus years your senior then absolutely that might look differently um but the chances are if it if it makes you a little bit mad or a little bit you know 
little bit emotional, it's probably true. But the more that you can start to notice those things, the better communicator that you can become. And we can weed out those things that are really working against you. Um, and you know, you're thinking, oh, God doesn't want me to be married or win a pageant. And really they're things that are totally in our control. So I think that's really important to hear. Um, and so finally, this is really obvious, but the, the number five thing for things that you ought to do is just practice. Get out there and practice mock interviews, coffee dates, you know, going for a walk with a friend, try and become more aware of, am I listening? Am I initiating? Am I being vulnerable back? Am I keeping this conversation surface level? Why am I doing that? Am I doing that? Cause I'm afraid, right? Am I just asking a million questions? Am I faking listening, but actually I'm tuning out because it's not about me for five seconds. Okay. I promise you guys, if you put these things into action, it's going to radically transform the way that you communicate with others. And also it's going to radically transform the amount of information that people feel comfortable sharing with you because you're proving yourself to be an active listener in a safe space that actually cares. Okay. So those are, that's part one of how to communicate and how to, uh, the art of communicating and connecting. I'm so excited about this series. We're going to keep on keeping on with kind of this human development stuff. Um, like I said, it's one of my favorite topics in the world. And, um, as always, if you guys want to grab that, um, the, the uh, interview freebie, you guys can go to the link in the show notes on either iTunes or our website and we'll get you hooked up with all that so you can hear the best interview strategies from really, really successful state title holders. So thanks for so much for listening, you guys. It's been a pleasure this week. Um, and as always, if you guys want to join the Inner Circle or the Interview Mastery Academy, um, you guys can DM us or click the Contact Us form on our website and we will get you hooked up. We have one more spot for the fall. I just onboarded two or three more people this week and so I won't be taking any more one-on-one clients till January. So super important you guys know that, but always, always join the Inner Circle, the best group of young women um, helping themselves to grow spiritually and in interview and in personal development, mentally and emotionally every day. So love you guys. See you next week. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of season two of the Powerhouse Podcast. I'm Coach Megan. As always, you can follow me at Megan underscore Swanson. You can DM us to join our email list. You can follow us at Powerhouse Pageantry or at the Powerhouse Project. And I'm so excited to get to continue to pour into your life spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, and relationally. Wow, that's a mouthful. In this beautiful year of 2020, never forget your worth, stand up for what you believe in, and allow your spirit to stand up on the inside of you to show you who you really are. Have a great day.